0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. What if you were called to evacuate from your home? You can see the flames over the horizon. You know you should pack the pets and go. Yet something is holding you back. Our next guest on From Disaster to Dream Home, Janet Price, has experienced this moment of decision and shares her story with us stay tuned
1: welcome to from disaster to dream home the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process when interior designer Jana rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall in her house she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt.
0: Welcome back home builders and remodelers to another episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that will take you through the process of building or rebuilding a new home from the ground up in 52 episodes. If you are rebuilding after the loss of your home or building a new home from the ground up, each episode of From Disaster to Dream Home will help you know what you and your design team will need to do to make the construction process fluid So, your dream home can rise from the ashes. My guest today, Janet Price, is the owner of JP Coaching and Consulting. She is a divorce, co parenting, and life transition coach who lives in Malibu, California. We have not strayed far from the mission of our podcast in having Janet as our guest today, as we are going to be discussing Janet's personal experience facing the Woolsey Fire in Malibu, California only a few years ago. Janet has been a resident of Malibu since 1997, where she raised her kids and has been a vibrant participant in this unique community. She tells us that she has experienced many life-changing events, including her decision to remain on her property with her husband, Steve, to to defend their home from the Woolsey fire. Janet, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: I have so much
0: I want our listeners to hear about your real life story and the choices that you made. To remind our viewers, our listeners, the Woolsey fire ignited on November 8th in 2018 and burned 96,948 acres of land. The fire destroyed 1,643 structures, killed three people, and prompted the evacuation of more than 295 people hundreds of houses in Malibu were destroyed or damaged on both sides of the Pacific Coast Highway. Janet and Steve chose not to evacuate. Let's start at the beginning. What were you doing the day when it started, and when did you realize that the fire was headed your way? Janet, thank you so much for inviting me to share with your
2: listeners today. Um, So at the time, I was working um, in Santa Monica, California. And so on a daily basis. So actually on Thursday night, the night before when the fire was way far away from Malibu, mm-hmm. we heard about the fire. So I normally got home between six 30 and seven 30. And when I got home, I started talking to Steve then um, in case. And we started working through and thinking about first i said okay the winds are really high so not gonna go to work tomorrow uh-huh. <laughs> so that was number one um and then number two actually we then spent a lot of time talking that night
0: about what we wanted to do uh huh before it was imminent
2: before way before it was imminent uh-huh. so For us, um, we bought our house in 2012. Uh And I, this is the fifth home in Malibu that I've lived in. Uh And so I was a hundred percent aware of fires in all these years and what to do. And I had lived in places where fire was more risky. You know, it was more of a at-risk scenario and then down more north near the beach. Mm-hmm. And so when we bought this home, Steve and I knew that at that point actually that we were stairs. So uh-huh. upon purchasing, we knew we were stairs. And so we um we're very prepared in that case uh-huh. for what needs to happen. So
0: describe your property a little
2: bit. Okay, so we are up um, very north Malibu, um, up Yerba Buena, two and a half miles, up Yerba Buena in the Santa Monica Mountains. So, um, we, in our community, when you go up Yerba Buena Canyon Road, there's about 65 homes off of a private road within this community. Most of the homes have... Um, five to 10 acres for each of the lots are our property is two and a half acres so that's and and it's just about three narrow streets going up around that's nestled in the Santa Monica mountains
0: and how far away are you from your nearest neighbors is can you see the other properties or are you surrounded by wood and vegetation
2: oh no we can see neighbors so my neighbor directly to one side of me you know he owns 10 acres so Mm -hmm. our property's a butt and i can see his house Mm -hmm. and some of the acreage is behind and um across the road so we see a lot we i can from my house see about uh well i used to be able to see about eight homes
0: okay so Uh, So you guys had already decided amongst yourselves. You, you knew that you were stayers. You knew you were going to stay. What was the timeline like in terms of, um, of what you saw coming and how fast it approached and, um, and where had you been contacted to evacuate? Um, No and no. So
2: (laughs) I'll start on the Thursday night. So, um, A couple of things. Yes, we knew we were stairs. So what did that mean? Um, Year round, we make sure the um, weed abatement is down on our two and a half acres Uh of property all the way and clear the weed abatement. We have a lot of succulents around. We have about 20 feet around most of our home area. And then we have a, a, a barrier of succulents beyond that all the way around our home. We have a home, we have a detached garage and then we had, we had um, several storage containers, you know, the shipping containers yeah. that we used as um, extra supply, like Steve's uh, shop, he's in uh-huh. buildings. So uh-huh. he had all his tools in one right next to it was like our lots of extra um Oh, things for travel and like extra, yeah. people, like that kind of thing. And the last one was all our sporting gear, our surfboards, uh-huh. our skis, uh-huh. our bikes,
0: like that. Malibu essentials.
2: Yes. <laughs> Kayaks, all that. Yes. So that's what our property. Is. So we we have those things prepared. In addition, we have a 6,000 gallon um, open air cistern. Uh-huh. Plus we had our, uh, a well, which had... 5,000 gallons, you know, when it's complete. Plus, we have, um, when we brought the property, it was already there. Um, It was because the fire department requires it, it was the plug in Uh for the fire department to um, connect to so that they could use the water from the cistern, right? Uh Uh We had a, um, we have a pump that is made gasoline pump. Yeah. And we had 200 feet of fire hose, real fire hose, two inch fire hose.
0: And is that how much of those things are things that you researched and and knew you had to have on your property or did, did the, you know, fire department, you know, give you that kind of information?
2: No. So I think anybody in Malibu that lives, Uh um, far enough away
0: the hills.
2: when yeah. there is not a fire hydrant is yeah. required to have a fire a, a supply that Got the it. fire department can come and hook up to. So that's there. What you do after that with the hookup is up to you. So the pump and the fire hoses were ours um, that we purchased. We also, we also had made um, out of concrete board uh, dormers for all the vents that enter uh-huh. into our house so that we could screw those in so the smoke wouldn't get in any of the vents for the oh, house. Wow.
0: That yeah. Well, that is definitely planning ahead. And then we
2: also the previous owner had um essentially big barrels that they're actually those pickle containers that they bring over on ships yeah. that are, you know, and we have six of those that are around our house and they're filled with water water at all the t- at all times. Uh-huh. So we so that Thursday night. Yeah. essentially, when I came home, my Steve and I sat down and had a lovely glass of wine and talked about things
0: uh-huh, uh-huh And so
2: I said, okay, let's look around. The fire comes. Do you feel like we have enough space where we would not die?
0: Yeah let's talk there <laughs> like that's a really good start, I think you know
2: <laughs> like what would we be able to do at worst comes worse. What do you think? What do I think? What would we do if everything else... Would we be able to stay? And I, and so we basically said at worst comes to worst, we would, we would get inside the cistern, the 6,000-gallon cistern, oh. and go underwater. Like, that's number one. Like, that's how we thought about it. Wow. And how do you get into... Oh,
0: it's an open-air cistern, you said. It's
2: an open-air. We have a ladder and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, 10 feet tall, and we would get in there. That was number one. Can um, you imagine
0: so, how long you might have to be in there?
2: Well um if it was really I mean the <laughs> I now know this yes but I kinda I know this for real now but i yes. i I had heard about this before from yeah. firemen around fires blow through really quickly yeah yeah so it's not so that would be an a uh, short-term thing uh-huh. to be an immediate like everybody's Life really saving. worried and,
0: Then it process. Yeah. Okay. Got it.
2: Yeah. Now, Do you have animals on your property? So, um, we, we had a wonderful golden retriever, um, with us for 10 years. Her name was spring and she had just died in August of that year. Oh gosh. Yeah so in that way we did not have to worry about animals however yeah. mm-hmm. we didn't have any large animals to worry about evacuating in that way
0: um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people in that area do have a lot of uh, who do have you know horses and a lot of horses yeah. yeah 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 a lot of large yeah, animals that they- would simplify things a tiny bit Uh, so then, so the communication with your husband sounded like you guys were both, um, in agreement on your approach. And so really it was a teamwork thing where you were, you know, figuring out how to work together to make sure that your, you know, property survived and you survived. Well, that's where our communication is fun. Because yes, that basic
2: one was good. But then when you start getting down to the details, I'm a real planner. And he's more of a last minute type of guy.
0: So in the moment guy.
2: Yeah. And so essentially what happened is, I said, okay, then this is what I want to do. And I stayed up till about midnight that night, moving things around. And he was sort of rolling his eyes like, Jana, are you sure? Why are you doing all this stuff? But I, I basically packed my car with, oh, okay. That had my computer and my files and all this. I moved things to different areas. You were keeping
0: your options
2: open. I did, I basically, I took all my um, outside furniture cushions, put them inside right. an area. I buttoned up everything. I moved things outside. So a hose would be able to move around without breaking things. Yeah. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah. So that's what, that's what happened Thursday night uh-huh. and then Friday. So I called the office first thing in the morning on Friday and, um, said, I'm not coming in. I'm not turning on. I'm pretty much, we're going to monitor the fire. Right. So um, in our community, we have our road that looks towards the ocean. It sort of splits in a Y. And if we go um, up the other side where there's a lot, where almost all the homes were lost, that side looks over to Leo Carrillo Beach right Uh down. Yeah. And it looks down to Mulholland. Yeah. And so from there, we were able to have a really fabulous viewpoint of the fire. Uh-huh. So we went twice that day uh-huh. over to that side to look
0: uh-huh.
2: what was going on with the fire and where things were. Yeah. And so it was essentially the, around the tw- 11 30, 12 noon time where when we went over there we saw the fire cresting up and over the hill um above leo creo bef- um before moholm we saw fire trucks and everything and in my mind i said well it for sure will not come because the firemen are going to stop it right there at yes, we saw all that, the yeah. trucks
0: yeah. And everything. Yeah. It seems like it would be a really logical place for them to be able to stop the advancement if possible.
2: Yes. And I mean, the fire had just crested over the hill and it was going to come down. And I said, you know, in my head, I thought, I think it's going to be fine. It's a big, you know, space. Yeah. And um, then Steve and I, my, um, we went back to our house and we said, just to be safe, let's practice turning on the pump. And that's when I watched him start actually going more in slow-mo, mo- like slow motion.
0: Something oh, really his body was yeah. happening. I, I, you know, I, it was like I a visceral know, reaction to the anxiety or something or something. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but he started, it felt like
2: time was slowing down right now uh-huh. yeah pump wasn't working
0: yeah our fire oh, pump no. wasn't working yeah
2: we couldn't get it going
0: yeah
2: and um and then it was uh and then we saw the fire peak over our little hill
0: and what time was this So that was
2: probably 15 minutes after we had left the other side. And now it was peaking actually all around us.
0: Yeah. And so So it had jumped the the barrier of Mulholland um, who, you know, flying embers, whatever. I mean, fire is an absolutely uncontrollable beast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it had jumped everything. Now, you know, um, fire creates its own wind, right? Uh But the wind's during that fire were the, I mean, in the years that I have been here, it might've been one of the, um, without the fire, it was one of the power, most powerful wind
0: storms already.
2: Like before Mm -hmm. the fire came, it was 85, 95 miles per hour.
0: Right. Right. So that's the crux of the problem here. Um, winds are, are high. Um, so now you, your house is going to protect you because you've you've, um, Got um, you know venting over the you know the the vents to your into your home, but what about what you have to do running around outside with hoses and things like that? To you know, did where did you spend a certain amount of time outside and and were you affected by the smoke? Or at a certain point, when when was it you felt like you had to only be inside and hunker down? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we never
2: were inside. So we have, um, fire jackets, yeah, masks, and breathing, um, equipment. So the smoke, uh-huh.
0: so we had, you know, we actually had the N95, like particle m- masks, but, but not yeah. oxygen supply, but you just have, no, not oxygen okay.
2: supply. Yeah. So my husband was manning the fire hose. And I and so he was moving from side to side of our property, protecting the gigantic flames from catching our house on fire and our um um detached garage.
0: So literally soaking the perimeter? Uh no, putting out the flames. Not oh, so oh, oh oh you were no. okay. So the flames are upon you.
2: The flames basically immediately came upon us. There was no soaking. There was no preventing. We were putting out fire around our house for more than 48 hours, basically. You were
0: out there fighting it for more than 48 hours.
2: Straight twenty four, where we finally took a break, uh-huh. and then because the winds were up, we got a little bit of sleep. We'd wake up to go to the ba- to to like have to go to the bathroom or nerves, and we'd see the hot spots going on again, and uh-huh. we would go
0: out and fight it again. So, so even though a wave moves quickly, um, it almost repeats back because of the wind. So that's when the hot spots will occur around you. So
2: it moved through quickly and scorched a whole bunch, yeah. but there was enough embers that the hot spots would catch on to, yeah. um, you know, Just like railroad roads, yeah. stairs, yeah. pine yeah. trees, mm-hmm. you know, those, we have palm trees. So those mm-hmm. are, we can completely ignite, you know, that we, we didn't yeah. knock on yeah. wood. We didn't have any of those, but we did have pine trees. We, when they catch Oak, there's lots of Oak around us. Oak doesn't blow up in Flames, but if it spends enough time, it's inside and under. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and And so then it'll the the wind will make it pop up into flames again and then go back down.
0: So, one more time, help me get a sense of from the time you saw it from the top of the hill on the other side of of uh, Mulholland, how long it actually took until you were immersed in it? 20 minutes. Oh my god. That's amazing because it's not like it's, you know, that's a distance. It's very far. And
2: it went so fast.
0: Wow. Wow. So fast. You didn't even have time at that point to rethink your decision. Your decision was made. It was me. Yeah. And then were possibly, were um, there avenues to get out or were they blocked by the fighting process? Like if you could have at any point gotten out, could you have gotten down the hill? Um, so in our
2: neighborhood, the fire department never showed up. There was no firefighting.
0: Um, is it because there. it's a little more remote than others or they just were overtaxed everywhere? That is a debate that is highly debated
2: at this moment politically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and it has to do with any leadership and everything. The fire trucks yeah. were down at PCH where Neptune's net were what is. And um, I'm understanding that the direction was not to go up Yerba Wana. They were told not to go up that hill. Wow. Why and how I have no idea. I think more of the canyons also had the same experience. Yeah. Some of my neighbors that were actually at the same time that I was there with them like my next door neighbor, they had their truck packed. And when they saw it at Mulholland, they left. And they were at the bottom telling the firemen to please come up. And the
0: firemen indicated that they were not going to. Yeah, that's um, it, it's understandable and mind boggling all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a horrible situation. Um, and so and so now you're in the thick of it. Um, and you've got protection against the smoke, but was it enough? And what about your eyes? So we were, uh, I mean, if I, if
2: we were not well-prepared, this would have been a totally different story. My neighbor across the hill from me that I can see their home, yeah. um, their preparedness is they had bought that foam spray stuff for the yeah. windows. Cause they had a lot of windows, Yeah. um, And they had a pump and they had some water, but not much. And they had no mass. So for them, and they have a two story home and I have a single story home. So for them at a certain time, all they had was bandanas at a certain time. They felt it so hot and everything. They did go inside and they laid on their, um, Floor yeah. until it blew over them, uh-huh. and then they came back uh-huh. and started putting out the fire. So, for us, um, because we didn't have it, we don't have as many large trees directly around our house by what I yeah. described, and I had goggles. I mean, we had uh-huh. you were um, prepared, we were very prepared. So, yeah. my husband was using the higher fire hose. And I was using big gigantic towels and rakes and, you know, had gloves and anything that was burning that was near the house. I was rowing off the hill to get it away from the house.
0: So you were touching things that were on fire. Yeah. With, with what, what was protecting your hands? Oh, gloves. Oh, and, yeah, I just and, had and gloves. Right, and like I was that, taking.
2: Yeah. you know, if there were building materials that were halfway on fire, I was throwing um, chairs and tables that were wooden that caught on fire. I was just hucking them off the hill to get them away from our structures. Uh-huh. Um, and then... The um, anything like wood chips that were around for the natural landscaping, I was taking gigantic rakes and just pushing it down from our hills so that it wouldn't catch small shrubbery that was around our house, which is kind of the risk. And then taking my big beach towels that were sopping with wet and damping out any of the embers that were in those small shrubs.
0: Uh And so... While this activity was um, going on and for a long time, were you and uh, Steve communicating at all or were you just each doing, you know, everything you could that you could see? I mean, Was there a sense of of communicating with each other? So that's the interesting thing. It did get so
2: full of smoke that there was. He tells me at one point he was really war- worried yeah. because he didn't know where I was yeah, and he couldn't yeah. find me. And at another point, so he has a fire hose, so I can see it's easier because there's the water water and everything. Right. Um so I was and I was circulating sort of around the house, all these different areas, so I could kind of see him but it, the noise the wind was yeah. so loud the yeah. fire was so loud around us all of our neighbors propane tanks because we're on natural propane right were exploding Yep. and we would see one explode and then we'd hear another explode so it was too loud to even really communicate so i would i would be able to see him yeah. periodically, if I'm like, where is he or whatever, I would be able to go find him. Yeah, And so I always kind of knew where he, cause it, the hose was connected one way. So I was able to find him.
0: So did you, were you experiencing a level of panic that maintained itself or, or were you in some kind of Zen mode? I mean, how do you physically, where were you emotionally? And I mean, I'm sure that when he couldn't see you, he felt panic. So Jana, it's really
2: interesting. Um, everybody goes through any event um, very differently. And so he and I experienced this event in exact opposite manners. I'm uh-huh. just going to tell you. And um, half of that is because I had been in my life gone through a lot, of lot of life transitions. And this was sort of the last one. Um, and so actually for me, when I was defending the fire, I felt a sense of peace and cleansing that came over for me wow. as though this was what I needed to restart and re come out of all my life transitions in a better, happier place. So I was not anxious or nervous or scared. My friends think I'm crazy. Not once was I scared, nervous, anxious. I had a sense of peace and um, thankfulness, to remind me because what I had experienced was very, very traumatic. What I had come out of, um, and I needed this cleansing. And so my husband, um, he watched me go through these other transitions and experienced some of it. However, this was very traumatic. His tools, he had tools from his father who died when, he was only 20. Uh-huh. He was very attached uh-huh. to the thing. So, so why we pr- saved our home and we saved our um, detached garage, what we weren't paying attention to were all the storage containers. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so by the time we went over to where the storage containers were, all of them were on fire. Uh-huh. And that's where I saw his mind, his frame of mind. He started to experience loss. We, because he really started to go into this because it was his shop. He had jewelry boxes that had been making. He had all his tools and he started to go into a place. I was trying to talk him down. That was not very rational. And I got concerned for him because he, he wanted, we were opening the door. So adding oxygen to the fire and trying to throw in water. Yeah. And then close the door. Uh And then he wanted to get on a ladder to get up and try to do it from a top in the middle. He was not seeing at that point safety. And so I really had to help bring him back and try to calm him down and say that we're not going to be able to do anything here.
0: So his emotional level was driving him toward not very sound decisions in terms of life versus stuff
2: it was safety, all my stuff. And yes, he was all the things that he was seeing burn up that were his life. I mean, my husband's almost, um, 70 years old. So we're talking about, uh, 50 years of memories Mm -hmm. that, and, and things that have been created for him and he's seeing it and it was just pulling at him so much.
0: Wow, that must have been um, amazingly intense, but also um, was your efforts were to get him to listen to, um, you know, your sanity in the moment. I mean, what did that feel like? So, uh,
2: you know, now you're talking about couple communication. Yes, we are, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and how couples go. So I was using the best tools that I could. So
0: I and you're overqualified in that field, I might say.
2: so in in you know supporting him where he's really insisting you can't really talk to somebody when they're really insisting this is what it does so going along where they're insisting and then helping point out things that were just really too dangerous you know in other areas and and trying to move him sort of to the left or the right of the situation (laughs) um and so at a certain point, he realized that it nothing could work, you know, because his shop yeah. had things like spray paint and, oh, you know, oh, yeah, all those yeah, yeah. right paints and yeah. lots of stuff that were very flammable inside yeah. that. So
0: yeah, that sounds like um, a combustion waiting to happen and uh, petrifying. And so how did you get, he he came to that realization because you were holding steady and you were able to get him to pull away? Um, he
2: came to that realization and because of the pump that we use to you know, that the five get pump to, to give us the, um, force to, to, for the fire hose, all of a sudden the water on the fire hose started to go out. So there were two things that were happening. You were running out of water. No, we went back and basically, uh, the fire, it had itself caught on fire because (gasps) flames and embers where we had the pump on our driveway, but there was enough up underneath that the pump basically got enough that it burned up so we still had water but we had no mechanism to uh with force to fight it basically so those two things i mean that's where when the fire hose pressure ended That's when he then wanted to start using buckets to throw water. And Uh that's when I was able to kind of talk him down to say, look, Uh I don't think this is what we can do.
0: And do you have any sense of, of the, on the timeline, how far into it you were in the, in that 24 and then 48 hour period, where was this kind of this moment in that arc?
2: Oh boy, that's really hard to know. So, um, I think the fire was upon us at about twelve noon, and I think that we eventually went to bed or took a um a the first rest at three in the morning mm-hmm. that morning, and so. I think
0: probably that was maybe at midnight when this, when I'm talking Uh to you about that. And so you're already on, on an arc that brought you to, you know, three in the morning, you're emotionally spent, you're physically exhausted. You've both gone on incredible journeys. What, what made it so you felt like you could pull back and, and rest? What made you able to do that? Well, the fire
2: was no. There were no flames outside of the embers and the hot spots. Uh-huh. There were it. There were no raging flames. It had uh-huh. blown probably all the way down to PCH. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh.
2: And it didn't come back. And so, at a certain point, we saw what we thought was a fire truck, big lights and everything um, during this, and we were laying on our horn our car horn trying to get them to come over to us. Right. And it turned out it was just our neighbor's truck. Oh, and they said who ha- he had a gigantic four by four with big gigantic lights. Yeah. He heard he came over the one that I told you, they were laying on the ground. He came yeah. over and said, sorry, I'm not the fire there. The firemen have never been here. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing we can do. Are you guys? Okay. Yes. Okay. I got to go. And that uh-huh. was it. And, and so, so, at that point, we kind of went, looked around, and realized, okay,
0: okay, yeah,
2: we can take a little bit of a break. Uh huh. Um, and so that was the first time we took a little bit of a break.
0: And then, um, so then, you, so you communicated with each other and and kind of decided it was safe to go inside for a period of time. Um, and where were you emotionally during that? at that moment? Was it, did you feel like you were accomplishing what you needed to or?
2: Yeah. So that's a very interesting. So again, what I remember still, um, I, I, I was very, I, I have been very clear headed about the fire my entire, the entire time and, um, sort of, not very emotional in the process, very logical action focused, next step driven. My husband was, um, experienced everything very emotionally. And now years later, he has big buckets of not remembering things and how he, or segments. So when you ask of the incident,
0: so and remembering,
2: yeah, and, yeah, and like it, it, it like of the time. So yeah. when you ask me how was I thinking, I was thinking, okay, I think you know this is great. It's okay for us to sit down. The winds are really heavy, so it doesn't make me feel comfortable that something's not going to heavy and still spiraling around in circles. So it didn't make you feel comfortable that a whole new fire wasn't going to start, right? right? Right. So great. Sit down, get some water, get some food. If you need food, um, you know, there's no electricity or anything. Right. So figure out that um, and then do a little looking of inventory of what's what we have on the property, where things are and what to be paying attention to mm-hmm. if something were to pop up again is how I was thinking about it. hmm.
0: And uh, how were you aware of how many of your neighbors might've also been hunkering down and staying? Um,
2: I knew that only the one across the street was the one that was, and I didn't know they stayed or didn't stay until the, until then. The truck. So everybody else I knew had left. We I had, had evacuated. them leaving.
0: Now, had anyone in your life tried to talk any sense to, into you or do you, did you stay out of communication during the pre
2: I got an earful for my girlfriends
0: because yeah. uh,
2: what happened that morning was I called my mom and my one girlfriend as like the points of contact. And I told yeah. my one girlfriend, here's the d- telephone numbers of other people. So I want you guys to have a, tr- a telephone tree in case there's anything, right. I'm only going to talk to one person and my mom, you tell whomever else. And so that was the first time that mm-hmm. was around nine. And then, um, essentially before we went up to the Hill at that 12 noon, I was on the phone with that girlfriend yeah. and the telephone lines, mm-hmm. uh, so the, I, 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 so we don't, we have terrible cell phone service here. So we yeah. always keep a hard line near my house. So I was speaking to her on a hard line, not a cell phone line. Yeah, And then that ended. And so what happened, she's um, more emotionally, she's from the city. So she's not, yeah. I was born and raised in the country. So yeah. that has something else to do with it. But um, so essentially she started texting my other girlfriends and then they turned on the news and then the news is the worst thing in the planet.
0: Of course.
2: And all they're seeing, you mentioned at the beginning, three people died. Well, they were showing at that time period, quite close to after our phone do- dropped off Yeah people found burning alive in a car oh my god
0: what do you think my friends were thinking of course of course yeah so so you really set quite a little ball you know in your circle I'm sure that it was really intense for and and so how long was it before you were actually able to communicate with anyone again so that was two
2: days later when we were able to drive yeah to the top of a hill and find a little bit of cell phone service, uh-huh um because you know, after the woolsey fire, the telephone lines were down for um nine to twelve months, depending on what area you lived in, the hard lines yeah mm-hmm. um and so there was no telephone service for lots of time and and the power lines were down for at least six months in most places as well in Southern California, Edison brought generators to most people in in the mount,
0: in the hills.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so, so you're, so it's three in the morning, you've come inside. Um, what happened then? Did you, were you able, did you sleep at all? I mean, you must've eaten something to keep your energy up. And then, uh, what, what brought, did you need to go out and do more proactive work after that? Or So, so you know, the winds were kind of so whatever.
2: I must have drank enough water or something because I was up kind of shortly. I had to go to the bathroom. Uh And when I went to the bathroom, that's where I saw these hot spots popped up around um, you know, closer to the house, around the palm trees, Uh around like closer
0: to where my well pump was. I can't yeah. imagine that it was a very sound sleep. I mean, it's it's sort of thing where I feel like, you know, the universe w- was being able to knock on your head fairly easily. Yeah. And so that's where, um,
2: d- depending on what it was. So I, we always have some sort as my husband's in building, we always have some sort of little something around the house, not close to the house, but this time we had sort we had a, um, Palette of concrete sacks Uh that were um at our house for a project we were going to do. So that burned like Uh the concrete got ruined from the water of our fire hose and the and the sacks. However, it occurred to me for some of these hot spots that since I didn't have enough water that was going to put out the embers, how about if I threw dry concrete and a bucket of water to put the embers out that way so where the oak tree was burning Uh i took buckets of dry concrete and then my husband brought buckets of water and we would throw the dry concrete and then throw the buckets of water so we were essentially trying to stop the hot spots from smoldering anymore it worked actually for you it did Oh, good. It worked actually. Well, we I ended up doing it to our the neighbors. Yeah, we ended up working doing that same thing to yeah. our neighbors who had evacuated, and there were lots of hot spots for the days moving forth. And, uh-huh. and it was getting closer to some of their other structures because it was catching on the railroad
0: ties they used to make the stairs yeah. all over their so property. You actually buy that point having no sleep and probably barely eaten and consumed only as much water as you had time for were actually in the position to be able to consider the homes of others in addition to your own so the homes of others came the next day yeah
2: um for sure and that was um because and the hot spots right where we could see them we could see the hot spots from where we were And that was a concern because there was still enough that could come towards us. Right. So it was just our really was the direct neighbor to um, towards, I guess, the east uh, east and where we are. So Mm -hmm. it would have been that that was most at risk and they it was smoldering the most. So we paid Mm -hmm. attention. And then two days later, we were of the mindset enough that we went across the street because our other neighbor who had evacuated had, um, in a hurry, left their dog. Oh yeah. And the dog, it was, it was absolutely traumatic, but the dog survived.
0: Oh, thank God.
2: But the poor, the, the structure that their dog was, um, in had, like a doghouse inside and other things, and all of that had burned. I don't know how the dog didn't have any torches on its mm. body, but the the doghouse, everything had burned. So there were all nails on the ground and screws for the poor animals. So scared and all of that. So I I started helping the an animal, um, and there was a chain on. He was not a nice animal. The dog, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, and, and so there, so I had to, um, help
0: and eventually I was able to open the door for uh-huh. this dog. Oh, I'm sure he was dog out, insane so. with fear, you yeah. know, not, not trusting strangers. So, so now um, on the, on the other end of this arc, so you um, so the main, um, aspects of protecting your property were you know, getting more and more under control um, as things were easing out of this. How? What? What did it take for you to know when you could stop? Where? Where was that? You know, the light at the end of this tunnel. Um.
2: So, I think after two days, we felt pretty okay. There were still a few little hot spots that were coming, but we did not feel that that was at risk. And then it, at, at the two day mark, it was sort of, okay, now what? Um, and so now we started talking to the neighbor that is the one that had the truck yeah, and speaking to them and they had motorbikes. Mm-hmm. So they had been going to the others and it turned out there were there were five families that had stayed in
0: our neighborhood. Wow. That's incredible. And so
2: this house became the, that their house became sort of the command center place community because what we then learned is we were not, as the people that evacuated were not allowed to come immediately back. Yeah. We were not allowed to leave. Uh huh. And so it became an interesting thing. So the neighbor had a generator. Um, we did not have a generator. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that.
0: Do you have one now? We do.
2: So <laughs> there were lots of actually that. Yeah. Th- so it was two weeks of us not being able to go out. Wow. Or anybody be able to come in. And so the people that were here, we were doing the cleanup, the down power lines. We were moving things around. We were helping each other. We were going to each other's, you know, there's a lot of chickens around here. So we were going and getting the eggs and collecting Uh eggs. We were going and getting trash out of people's houses that Uh had stayed that, you know, to clean it up. So it wasn't rotting food, wasn't rotting and smelling and making it worse. So we were doing some of that, doing some cleanup and then, um, and then we each found our ways to sneak out of the community uh-huh. and come back in. So uh, day three, I snuck out with the guy in the truck uh-huh. to Costco to buy a, a, um, a generator. So by yeah. day three, we had a generator. Yeah. And, um, and then it was sort of communal living mm-hmm. with everything for those two weeks like what can we get from here what can
0: we get yeah. from there how many of these people did you know before none huh. and how many of them are people you know now like are part of your lives
2: now they're all part of my lives now yeah. the bonding was incredible so my husband's an amazing musician uh-huh. and so what actually happened is every night uh it was dinner over at that house and uh-huh. he play the guitar and we would do sing songs and we would bring over whatever we could to contribute to the cooking and the food. And, and then we would share, each of us would share our learnings of what we had during the day. So, because I had Hughes internet satellite prior to the fire, I became the internet hub for the day for people to come to my house. Uh I had the generator to Conduct their business with the insurance and all that
0: sort of thing. Right. Wow. Yeah. So people were so during that two weeks, you guys were essentially an isolated community up at up the hill. About your finding, you know, your the resources in each other. It's um it's such a Malibu story because it's such you know there's such a hardy flock that chooses to live out there. People think of it as a luxury destination. It's really rural in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of, you know, rural, you know, community action there. Um, So now, so years later, a couple of years later, let's look back at the situation, unless you think there's anything I've missed. Um, How do you feel about the choices that you made? And, um, and did this bring you and and Steve closer? So um,
2: for Steve, he's still, it's still very hard for him. Mm -hmm. So, um, a year later, one of our neighbors who, who had stayed, um, and who happens to be, um, in the film industry in editing Uh (laughs) collected all of, uh, anybody's pictures and videos Uh and on the year anniversary, Uh we of the fire, he created a movie. Uh-huh. And we did a showing at that same neighbor's house. Wow. And so to this day, my husband is not able to watch that movie. Yeah. Because as soon as the movie came on, and it's his voice in the background that was singing. Uh-huh. Um, but as it came on, he experienced these flashing memories that were like
1: dramatic. PTSD.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so for him. It is um, a space that is very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, certain things we talk, you know, if brought up, he will start crying yeah. um, and remembering. And there's a huge, huge loss and sadness about the fire and wishing it never happened and wishing, you know, and cl- even though, so what we lost is all our irrigation, all our landscaping.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, all the out structures, you Everything know, the, that, I go. told you yeah. about,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. um, and, uh, and, and a lot of the personal effects that we had put in our storage container was a life choice because we had actually just kind of cleaned out our home a little bit to, uh-huh. um, rent it for VRBO. Yeah, so we, knows. a lot of our personal effects had, had
0: gone in oh, gosh. storage so containers you're questioning your you know, having done that and the timing of that. Right. So
2: that, that, so there was a lot of that. So he feels that's his experience. And a lot of, while we didn't lose our house and I feel awful for everybody that lost everything. Like my neighbor next door has children the same age as my boys. And she, you know, her boys were born in that house. She raised her stepdaughter from the time um, her, she, she, you know, that how she built the first house there. I mean, she mm-hmm. lost so many memories and, um, no pictures of her kids yeah, and school I know. or any of it. Mm-hmm. So my heart goes out to everybody and I was able to bring and find stuff and, you know, try to bring that way again, for me, um, to me, it was, it is, was and always will be the most beautiful, wonderful closure of and awakening of a new chapter for me.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's almost like, you you know, when people describe a near death experience where you see, you know, clearly things pass by and, and you're, you know, you kind of found yourself in a, in a better place. So, you know, that can be emotional um, on many levels. Yeah. Amazing. So, so if there was a similar threat coming upon you, um, would you handle it the same way now knowing what, you know, what, and, and is that a different answer for you that you imagine it might be for your husband? Well, interesting. Um, I'll tell you something. If my, if my kids were with me,
2: um, because we had a threat probably, um, a couple years earlier.
0: Yeah. And
2: what I had done then is because their father um, lives in a different area where there's not a threat. The, The time, the previous fires, I had called their father and basically had my children go with him.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. So that's definitely a number one point. Right. Also, um, both my husband and I have to be able-bodied to be able to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. So if we were both able-bodied, I guess is the first thing, like if we both had the same, you know, ability physically
0: that we had. And now you know what that really is. Yes. Which is superhuman. Yeah. 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 Superhuman strength.
2: Then I would say for me, yes. And so I would have to ask my husband, because I actually, quite frankly, haven't asked him if he would be willing to repeat. Yeah. And so if the answer is he says no, then no, I wouldn't stay by myself. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, we would have to come up with a different plan. Right. And yeah. decide what to do.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, what's haunting him is the loss of memories and things. Um and the tension that he went through emotionally to save those things, but you saved a lot. I mean, you saved your primary dwelling and, you know, and, and there's a lot to the fact that that's still home. So, you know, it's, it would be interesting to know what his answer would be to that, or if he even felt he had an answer. Right.
2: I don't know if he would have an answer. I will tell you that, um, Eight years prior to the fire, or so, he had had what's called a, um, a Birmingham hip resurfacing. It wasn't a hip replacement, but it was uh-huh. a resurfacing. Yeah. And so, um, in April of the following year, after the Woolsey Fire, he was in so much pain. And he attributes it to all the scrambling that he had to do because of the fire. So uh-huh. he had to have uh, six months later, a full hip replacement because yeah, yeah. of that. So physically it that toll, it took a huge yeah. toll on a, a hip that he yeah. had already had work on.
0: Right. Him. And in the normal you know, form of life, it probably would be, you know, lasting a long time, but that was a, it was a hyper extended period of, um, activity for him. Yeah. So I I think that you've, you've really answered, you know, so many of my, uh, top of the list questions, but, you know, finally, as the years go by, what are the lingering feelings and emotions that, um, you have toward your home and, and your relationship, if you can just sort of sum it up for us or or le- also let me know if there's anything that comes to mind that I've missed.
2: Well, I um, so we love our home um, and we feel a really great appreciation. The one thing that has definitely impacted us was the fire in November, but then remember those rains were so... Traumatic in January and February. And so essentially we actually had two, we had two additional insurance claims because Uh we had mudslides that we had to prevent from coming into our house
1: Uh
2: and over two times. And so we had big boulders breaking our water pump and well system. Uh And we had to put sandbags up so the mud wasn't coming into our house and so the one thing that we have um we have not yet both left the house at the same time since the fire oh my gosh you're kidding the whole time we have not taken a vacation together wow. he'll go or i will go because uh-huh. there is a sense yeah. of what happened yeah yeah uh-huh
0: um well,
2: that's pretty rain- intense that, that is, so yeah. that is the sense that we have where he will drive and go on a trip or I will, but we, neither of us have felt very, we don't really have a desire yet.
0: Yeah. So, so there's no inherent sense of security with what you've lived through. It's almost like you're aware of what could happen all the time.
2: We, I. uh, uh Neither of us know what would happen if we were away and then what would happen that yeah. worries us more than anything to be somewhere and not be able to defend the house and
0: just yeah. not be able to do anything about it. So that definitely has so impacted. It us. sounds like to, to that sort of answers my question about whether you would do it the same way again, because um, your passion to make sure that your piece of the rock is secure, is uh, bigger than many other things, including your your health and safety and your loved ones who will panic anytime anything approaches you, which I would, uh, it's very hard. I'm sure that pressure is fairly intense for you guys to change your staying ways. Yes. So it's impossible to know until we're faced with a challenging decision, what each of us would actually do. Janet, I can't thank you enough for um, helping us with your story and your candor. Before I learned about your personal experience during the Woolsey fire, I knew you through your work as a life transition coach. Please just give our listeners a little bit of information about what you do and how to best contact you if they're in the need of your services. Absolutely. So I'm a
2: divorce co-parenting and life transition coach, and you can see, as you said, Jana, um, uh, I've, I've experienced many life transitions and I um, have found uniquely when you ask this uniquely that in every transition, I have found a nugget that has helped move me and grow me forward. And this is why I ended up getting into life coaching because my outlook in life, as I go through those transitions is very unique and different mm-hmm. from others. Um, and I, that's exactly what I do is I help people shift their mindset and perspective to see it from another perspective, um, so they are able to move beyond Rather than staying stagnant, shall we say, uh-huh. in the place of the transition or what was.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and so my business is JP Coaching and Consulting. It can be found on www.jpcoachingandconsulting.com. Uh-huh. Um, and that probably
0: would be the best way to get a hold of me. Great. Okay. So whether or not you stay to fight the fight, when you're faced with the loss of your property and you decide to rebuild, there are endless decisions that must be made. Please listen to our past episodes that will help you know what is ahead of you and face the process with confidence, which can lead to joy. You can find all of our past episodes on our website from disaster where you can also find links to learn more about all of our guests, including Janet. Thank you again so much for sharing this um, really harrowing story, which I have to say, you have such a peacefulness and grace about you. It's sort of astonishing to know, you know, imagine you in the in the fuel of that fire. <laughs> Thank you, Jana. I think
2: many people, when they saw me angry, would see
0: another side.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have not
0: been honored with that, <laughs> that emotion yet in our relationship, but um, thanks again. Thank you, Janet. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNpodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at fromdisastertodreamhome.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams.
0: Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.